Well, good morning, church. It is a blessing for us to be together this morning, to be able to open God's word together. A few things I want to share as we uh, get started today is uh, just wanted to continue to share that we are still uh, looking, and thank you for those that have applied or, or asked questions. Uh, we'll be seeing who's interested and have some interviews, but we are still looking for someone part-time to help oversee the missions work of our church. It's about 15 hours a week with our ministry of Love Your Neighbor. We go and meet real needs in our community and, and stay up to date with what our missionaries are doing. And so if that's something that you're available for or interested in, uh, go to our website uh, and, uh, or contact the church uh, at gracelaredo.org forward slash jobs. And as well, an operations director, someone to oversee our buildings and our finances and just a lot of the operational aspects of our ministry. And so if you have any questions, please, please talk to us about it. Two things I want to take a moment to share and pray for as we begin as well is I want to take some time to, uh, in a moment, pray for our students. Uh, we have about 100 people over at a camp right now. Uh, I can imagine their energy is, a no offense to you guys, but a little higher than ours this morning. Uh, they've been together all weekend, and uh, God's been doing wonderful things, I'm sure, in their hearts. I just want to pray for them, uh, as well as we are on the anniversary of 9-11 today. And if we're ever reminded of the fact that there is evil in this world, evil out there, uh, that is an event that reminds us of it. And we want to pray for, uh, though we know that uh, the world, in this world there will be evil, that we do have a place as Christians uh, to seek what is good and to bring about what is good for others. Uh, we know one day we'll have it eternally with God, but we need to pursue it in this lifetime as well. And so I want to pray uh, for both of those things. So would you take a second and just pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for our students. Uh, God, we thank you for camp and uh, what a great blessing it is. God, we pray that uh, the things that they've heard from you, God, that you would not allow the enemy to come and snatch it away when they come home. But God, that you would already be preparing their parents, their friends, their teachers, people that you're putting in their path to help them continue to walk in the fullness of your love and your care and your kindness. And so God, help uh, protect our kids and give them just a, a wonderful trip home and may they be able to walk with you throughout uh, this semester, God. And really our hope and prayer as a church is throughout their whole life. And God, we also pray for our country and the world this morning as we remember 9-11. I remember, Lord, some of the terror of that day living in a big city at the time and God, uh, we pray that you would give us confidence as your followers uh, to pursue what is good, what is just, what is right. And uh, when people are victims or harmed by evil, God, we pray that you would bring uh, the help that they need. And God, we pray you would bring restoration, although we know we will experience it one day fully in eternity. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Well, this morning we are continuing in our passage in Ephesians, uh, so excited to be studying the book of Ephesians this fall semester as a church. Uh, wonderful, wonderful letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church. Ephesus, where uh, the city where these believers were practicing at the time was a major metro metropolitan uh, area at the time. And Paul had spent a few years there growing the church. And this church was 
was walking with God in, in, a, in a very mature way. And when he was in prison later in his life, he wrote this letter to them. And we also believe to circulate to all of the churches at that time and to us today to encourage them in this walk in Christ and what Christ had done for them and what it meant to walk with Christ. And so it's a great thing that we get to study throughout this whole uh, semester. I went for a walk this week, and, and not only am preparing to, to teach today's verses, but just to participate in this. I, I just listened to uh, the Bible. I know Joey told us we shouldn't listen to the Bible app, but it helps me. So I, I hit play on a walk, and uh, of course it's important that we get those words in front of us and open the Bible, but I hit play, and I just listened to it as I went for a walk, and trying to get the whole picture of Ephesians 1 through 6, such a short letter that we can all read many, many times throughout this semester. Uh, and so that's where we pick up today in Ephesians 1, verse 15, the second half of chapter 1. Now, before we open up uh, God's word, you can turn there if you want already. Before we open up, I want to set the stage for us a little bit about what Paul's going to speak to us about here. And I want to open with a question to position our minds to think about what he's going to share. And the question that I, I had for myself as I read this text and I want to ask you is this morning, how humbly confident are you? How humbly confident. And, and I say that, those could be uh, antithetical or an oxymoron, but confidence is, it could be seen as pride or confidence in self, but humility is an accurate measurement of things, an accurate, you know, uh, view of yourself or the world. How humbly confident are you today? And I want to go on further to ask, who's kingdom are you living in? in? In God's kingdom or in your kingdom? The world's kingdom? Is your heart this morning rested in God, actively trusting for him to provide in all things? Or do you find yourself, and I'll confess, a little bit like me, a little tired or a little stressed or maybe prideful in self? How humbly confident do we find ourselves this morning? All of us long to hope, to have optimism. Now, whether you are an optimist in life or a realist or a pessimist, and we can all chuckle because those are all very different approaches to life. And some of us are married to someone that's very different than us. I have business partners that are different than us. And somebody is the constant optimist and someone's more the realist or the skeptic. But whatever your perspective is in life, we all want to long for hope, for better days, for our lives to make a difference, especially in our family with our children, our, our grandkids, or our brother, our sister, or those that we love. As we approach anything, we all want to see it come to something, yet we live in a constant backdrop of problems and challenges which is why I asked, how, how confident do you find yourself this morning in the challenges that you might be facing in your body, in your health, in your business, in your home, in your finances, in your relationship as a parent? I don't see my son in the back. He's been putting me through the test recently in, in, in this parenting journey. Where do you find yourself in these challenges? And do we have and can we have true hope and confidence and wisdom? I, I find myself this morning, uh, some, when I preach, I'm, I'm excited. I'm always excited to open up God's word. But I'm, 
I find myself today very, I don't know if timid is the right word. I don't know if broken is the right word. I find myself quite aware of how fragile I am, of how fragile you are, of how sinful all of us can be. And there is a great power and a great hope that God wants to offer to me, that he wants to offer to you, that that many times I may find myself too busy or too confident in myself to fully receive or take. And so my hope this morning for us is as we open these words, is that God would allow us to evaluate what he's saying that's true and evaluate if we've received it and are fully walking in it. And his claim, his claim in his word is that he is our creator. He is the one that has made us. And that his word is good. That it's good for all. And if you find yourself this morning, which I know many of you do, not a practicing Christian. First, I want to speak to those that you say, I'm checking this out or I don't know if I believe it. It's It's not quite who I am. If you find yourself somewhere on that spectrum saying, I'm not a practicing Christian, my hope is that you would evaluate as we read these words what God has done and what he wants to offer and if it's something that you want to receive and maybe take the hands that you have up to him down a little bit and walk more in what he wants to give. Walk more closely with him in his church. And if you are a practicing Christian, which I know many of you are, that we would do the same, that we would evaluate where we are walking with him today and move closer to walking more intimately with him. And I had this thought the last couple weeks that's been encouraging me, haunting me, that, that I want to share. And I thought to myself, you know, In many, many ways, many of us, the way we live out our Christian faith, unfortunately, is we we call ourselves a Christian. We say, I believe in Christ. We might come to church on Sundays. But when life gets real and when the problems that we are going to face in any aspect of our life come, we kind of put that as almost a title to the side and we begin to walk in our own strength in our own power, in our own resources, in our own wealth, our friendships, or, or problem-solving skills. And, and many of us, really, we have a, you know, like Dr. Jekyll and Hyde, we, we say we're Christians, but a lot of how we actually live our lives, that's in name only, not in real practice. And Paul is writing this letter to me, to you, to us, to evaluate We want to walk in the fullness of what God wants to give us as his children, but we have to walk in it in in all things, in, in, in good and in bad, and be the first one that we turn to when we're faced with challenges. 
I was thinking of a, of a scripture this week in my own walk, and I was thinking of uh, this verse uh, in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 that says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and peti- petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, I pretty much have that first half memorized, and I always remember that when there's a situation like, Don't be anxious, thank, the God, thank God for who he is, and bring it to God. And I remember the second half, I'm like, Wait, why am I bringing it? And Paul, also who wrote this other letter, says to us, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. And so for, for all of you today, whether checking, thinking about God and, and, and maybe not really being a follower of his yet or being a follower, I pray that we would walk away with more peace, more abiding in Christ through reading his words. So that was quite a setup. I hope that the text doesn't disappoint. Let's open up to Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 15. And in these first three chapters, Paul is spending a lot of time setting up what God has done for us. And we're going to see later in the last three chapters what it means to practically live these things out. So verse 15, Paul writes to us, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus And your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, Paul says, for this reason, he's going back to what we just read last week in church, or you can go and read throughout this week, talking about what Christ has done for us, how he's chosen us and redeemed us, and as we believe in him, given us the Holy Spirit. And so he's saying, because of this, because of the great things that God has done, and I've heard that you're walking in it, in your faith, you're trusting in God, and you're loving other people around you, I don't stop thanking God for this and praying for you. This church was a case of God's, Jesus' commandment to the church gone right. Jesus, he left the apostles, and we read in the book of Matthew, in Matthew 28, he says, therefore go out into the world and make disciples, teaching them everything I've taught you, and like we did today, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this church was doing it. They They were walking in their vertical relationship with God the Father, trusting in him, and in horizontal relationships, loving one another. And so he's Thanking God. When you have something good, something you know is good, and you see someone else begin to experience it, you can't want but help to see it grow, to care for them, to take care of them, to see it mature and blossom. And that's Paul's desire. And so he's thanking God that this good thing is happening, that they're experiencing that which is good, not that which is bad. And he's praying for them. And this is what he's praying in verse 17. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom, of revelation, in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Now, there was a lot of words there, but he's acknowledging that in order for them to continue to grow and blossom in the truth of Jesus and what he's done for us as a people that are broken and need him, He's saying, I'm praying that God would intervene, that that he would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation of what's true. And he's acknowledging that for us to grow as Christians, we need God's intervention. We need his 
help. We need him to take the blinders off of where we get lost. We need to look to him. And we need to pray for those that we love, that they would look to him. And he says that the eyes of your heart, in verse 18, would be enlightened. The Bible talks about our heart kind of as a control center for our body. It, it references it in, in terms of our soul, the way we approach our relationships, all relationships. One of my favorite verses in scripture is Proverbs 4.23 that says, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. Our heart is the purity with which we love our spouse, with which we love our children, our grandkids, our coworkers, our community, our Lord. And Satan wants to chip away at it, chip away at it, chip away at it, that it become more bitter more broken, more deceived. And he's saying, I want your heart to be alive. I want it to be alive. Now, when we face problems in our heart, we, like I said, can either have a posture of depending upon God or not. And he's writing that we would have that type of posture. And many times, James tells us when we have a problem happening, it's an opportunity for us to see, is our way of life one in which when the trials come, we Depend on God, or again, we're Christian in name only, and we depend upon ourselves. And so, you know, we, we've had our share of problems recently at home. Our water heater broke. We had COVID. One of my kids cut his foot. Uh, we had hail a while ago. We we're in the middle of getting our roof repaired, our car claims done. I'll stop there. I won't bore you with the details. But it's been an adventurous time in our house and we kind of get to the weekends, and we're like, all right, bring it. What's going to happen now? Right? We're just ready for the next thing. And yet it's an opportunity in all of these things to keep saying, God, you'll carry us through. You're doing something good. We're just, you know, yes, part of life is just maintaining a home and doing these different things. Uh, we would long for a little bit more rest. We'd like a little more boring life. But if you want to bring the adventure, all right, we're ready for it. The trials that come your way in your health, in your business, in your family, they're an opportunity for us to turn to God in perseverance, that we would have joy in all things. Now, Paul goes on and he continues here in verse 18. He says that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which God has called you. And what is the hope that God has called us to? Well, back in the beginning of this chapter, he said that God chose us to be holy and blameless. To redeem us in verse 7. He said that he redeemed us from sin according to the riches of his grace. So the hope that we have is that no matter how broken I am, no matter how broken you are, the love of God is greater. And we have that. We have that inheritance and that we're sealed as we believe in him with the Holy Spirit, which is a guarantee of what's to come. God is living in us, guiding us in truth, and one day we will be completely apart from this broken world and just in heaven with him where all things are right. And that's the hope that we have. And so he's praying that we would really know it, that we would abide in it, we would walk in it, in all things remember this hope. When cancer strikes, when we have challenges in our parenting, when problems start in our home, whatever faces in our business, we never stop having hope. And he goes on and he says, we would know what the riches of his glorious 
inheritance are. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Now, when I think of inheritance, the first thing I think of is money, right? When someone passes away in a will, you, you pass something on, and I think of money. And recently, uh, my wife's a teacher, and she's a, a teacher of art at United High School freshman campus, and she got a small raise this year, uh, which she's grateful for. And so we're redoing our budget uh, as this new school year is beginning. And, and I was trying to do the work of trying to say, all right, God, what, how do we uh, redo our budget now? And, and, and where do we place things in such a way that honors you? And, and I'm trying to do that, but I'm also trying to do it in a way that, that is in light of eternity, in light of the eternal inheritance we have, not just as a, as a father, as a husband, I'm often thinking of the now, the here and the now, providing for my kids, making sure that if we pass away that they'll be taken care of by, by someone or there's enough resources to care for them. And, and, and in the day in and day out that I'm providing for them. But am I doing it in a way that's thinking to the future? We are told here that Paul is praying that we would understand the riches of Christ's glorious inheritance in the church. Because of what Christ has done for us, we have his victory over sin. We have his love, his joy, his peace, and he is going to inherit us, and we inherit that from him. And is that our perspective in all things? And I tend to think of here and now, but we're challenged and called to think of eternity in all things. Uh, one of my uh, favorite uh, bands is U2, and I've been blessed to see them several times live, and uh, I hate dating myself, but for my 40th birthday, we were back seeing some family in New York, and, and my wife took me to a show. And as they play some of the songs that I've grown up with and I love, you know, I just get carried away in that moment, singing those songs out, and it's awesome. And you're there with 50,000 people or whatever. And church is a lot like that. We can come and we can sing about the glory of God, which is far greater than thinking about Ireland and anything that you two sings about, right? And we can hear his words and come together. But what's the significance of this space and time being here this morning? What's the significance of worshiping of his word? Is it not that one day God is better better than any inheritance I leave my kids in a will, better than anything I'm providing for them here and now. And so am, am I living with all things, my view of all relationships, all money in such a way of the kingdom? That's what church is. That's what it means to be a follower because we have this great inheritance to be holy and pure. Verse 19, he says, and that you would grow in what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. The immeasurable, know the greatness of his power. Eddie's gonna touch on this in much more depth next week, but the power that is ours over sin. Much of our sin is unintentional as much as it is intentional. But in all things, God wants to continue to sanctify us, to see what is broken in us, and to receive what he's done for us, and to be tender to one another in our sins, and to be kind and help each other overcome through Christ, because we have a great power in him. He 
concludes this chapter, verse 20, by explaining this power that we have. Power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his, Christ's feet, and gave him head over all things to the church, which is his, Christ's body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul tells us that Christ is above all authority, above every name, you know, when you're baptized, you're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we don't live in, in days of kings anymore. Most of us live in some form of government or democracy, good or bad. But in, in days of, of kings and feudal society, when something was done in the name of the king, it was the ultimate seal in that country. And there was a certain protection or authority that it came with. And as Christians, when we're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, it's saying that your sin does not define you. That your impurities, whether intentional or unintentional, things done to you or things that, that you've done, that they are covered by the blood and the victory of Jesus Christ. And you have a new life and a new hope. One that you don't have to muster up or be good enough for, but that you simply need to receive. He's saying, recognizing the name of Jesus Christ, which all things are under, including the church, which he says the intention of this church, of all churches, is that we as a local group would be growing in the fullness of this hope, of this joy, of this victory over sin. We can't think of ourselves alone or isolated, but we need to think of ourselves in relationship with God and caring for one another. And so I want to close again with the same question that I opened up with. I want to ask, how humbly confident are you for this week ahead? Whose kingdom are you living in? Is your heart rested in God and actively trusting in Him? Or are we simply tired or stressed or prideful or distant? Jesus is offering us peace and rest and wisdom in Him, in His hope in his inheritance, in his power. And he wants to give us a perspective for every moment this week to keep turning to him, turning to him, turning to him. Because our life, if we do, will be different. It will be better walking and building his kingdom, not ours or the way of the world, where there's no separation and no division in relationship and tearing down fear and division and confusion and putting peace and trust in its place. So I wanna ask you to walk out and do a few things this week. I want you, wherever you're at in your journey with God, to put God to the test, to see if he is not good. Not to do it to get what you want, but to wholeheartedly take his word and say, God, I want to see if what your word is is really good. I, I remember being at a, a young point in my journey where I, I didn't approach relationships with the same way that I know God wanted me to. I didn't approach alcohol with the same way I know God wanted me to. 
Which, by the way, the Bible never says in and of itself, wine or these things are evil. They're dangerous. They're very dangerous. But they're not evil. But drunkenness certainly isn't. And I, I doubt it, you know. And I said, all right, God, I got to try and find out if it is not better to do things your way. I don't want you to focus on just those two examples in everything, in all things, in finances. Does God have any place in your finances? Does God's word have any place in your home? I could go on and on and on. Put God to the test and find out if he is not better. And let us be Christians, not in name, but in practice. Read this book. Read chapter one this week. Pick a verse. Memorize it. Go to it. Every time a problem comes your way, go back to that verse. And I am right there in this with you. We are in this together. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you again so much for your word. I really come to this Sunday just aware of how hard it is at times to abide in you. I know there are some in the church this morning that maybe never taken their hands down and welcomed you in. God, I pray in your grace that you might meet them where they're at. Might open their hearts to your love and your mercy and your kindness. And Father, for those that have walked with you or trying to walk with you, God, I pray that you would help us to abide more fully in you this week in all things. Let us find a verse to, to write down and go back to this week. Let us pray and depend upon you. God, we pray all these things in your name. Everybody in grace said, amen. amen. Thank you, church.